morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you listen to the podcast. The podcast is available on several platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon. I am Sherry Dodderer. I'm an occupational therapist and dysgraphia expert. Welcome to The Writing Glitch, Hacking Dysgraphia, No Pencil Required. In this episode, Jonalee Zapanzik and I are recapping our adventure in Texas, where we have, well, Jonalee was here last year. This is the first time I am in Texas. We went to a two-day conference called the Summer Dyslexia Institute that was hosted by Region 10 Education Service Center. So first of all, before we get started, John Lee, how are you today? I am great. It is hot in Texas, but we had a great conference. It was an amazing two days. It was. Today's podcast is brought to you by Dutter Educational Consulting and Minds on Math. At Dutter Educational Consulting, we hack dysgraphia from the inside out. Our mission is to help teachers, therapists, and parents raise the next generation of leaders by hacking the barriers to student success. We offer five-day challenges, uh, summits, and many other courses to help you build your skills. And John Lee, Minds on Math, what do they do? At Minds on Math, we approach math instruction through a very unique and special design and delivery method that works and supplements any program you're currently using or any instruction that you currently use, any intervention program, any curriculum, or if you have the autonomy and flexibility to create your own lesson plans, we also have resources, which we call stimulus and reference tasks, to help support your instructional design and delivery of mathematics. This design and delivery approach supports students of all ages, preschool through high school, and all ability levels. Different than reading, in reading, you have an iPick book, you have leveled texts. Different than reading, in mathematics, we can use one task that spans preschool through high school every ability level, all grade levels, and differentiate with the one task. Very special design and unique program that we have, and we get excited about coaching and consulting our teachers in schools and districts across the country and around the world. Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about what happened. I got a call from the event coordinator from the region I remember there being snow on the ground, and there was not much snow on the ground in Pennsylvania this this past winter. So I am thinking it was very early January. And she asked me out of the blue to come to Texas and talk a little bit about dysgraphia and some of the approach that I have for it. And I said, would you be interested in my partner who we're co-writing a book on mathematics? to come as well. And she's like, absolutely, let's switch this up a little bit and let's get you both in there. And as it turned out, we ended up having the keynote for the uh, the afternoon keynote or, or the second keynote of the day. That's more or less what it was. And two breakout sessions. Absolutely. Full, full house keynote in the general session with, uh, I believe, 11 or 1,200 people. Yeah, it was amazing. So, 
I'm going to start and I'm going to ask you, because I've been talking a lot. Tell the uh, listeners a little bit about what we talked about at the keynote. Yeah, for sure. So Sherry and I have each written our own books, but we are co-authoring a book called Math Disconnected. We could actually take math out of the title and just call it Learning Disconnected, honestly. And our biggest goal, mission, and vision is to have more of an impact with students with disabilities, specifically in math, but then also writing and as an offset of reading. So in our session, we talked about how to have a great impact and use the words of impact to walk through our framework and our checklist of what we need to include in lesson planning so that these kids retain the information they're being taught. They have forever learning, which is what I call learning and retaining that information year after year, as well as a high level of engagement and decreasing anxiety and allowing kids to tap into their emotions and their feelings, get rid of the barriers that prevent learning from occurring to begin with. So bottom line, our our speech was about having an impact on students with disabilities, specifically dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, as well as ADHD and other processing issues. And so where I come into play is I'm looking at it from the neurobiology standpoint, and I am helping Donna Lee and teachers understand those connections and how impact really is a neurobiology from the beginning. So IMPACT, the acronym, stands for Interoception, Metacognition, Perseverance, Action, Consistency, and Transcendence. So you may never have heard of the word interoception before, and I believe it was new to you, John Lee. Am it I right? Was, it was definitely new to me. However, the concept of it is what I use in my model. I just didn't put the name interoception. I always used the word perspective. But they're not exactly the same thing. They are very similar. So what is interoception? Interoception is the ability to know what your body is feeling about itself. So close your eyes for a moment. Okay, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. (laughs) However, close your eyes and listen to your stomach. What is it doing? How about your heart? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Can you sense what's happening in your lungs? Do they feel tight? Are they relaxed? Maybe if you're out running, you you can feel that throbbing up from your heartbeat up into your um, carotid artery. So it's the ability to understand what you're feeling and how it should respond to your environment. So if you've got a, an environment where you should be in a safe situation and yet your heart is running a mile a minute, hmm, There's some disconnect there, which is a different idea from perspective, where perspective is really what is somebody else interpreting about you. So there is just that slight variation on the theme, but they all really get down to emotion and feeling. You know, I I love that explanation. That is 
really great description of the I and impact interoception. And as I was listening to you, I thought, you know, there's this great connection between the I and the M, interoception and metacognition. Interoception is the feelings in your body. Metacognition, it's not exactly this, but I'm going to say it this way, the feelings in your brain. So if we can tap into interoception and metacognition, metacognition, thinking about what you're thinking, that really goes with the title of your book, Sherry, brain-body disconnects. You're actually connecting the brain and the body, the body through interoception and the brain through metacognition. The key here, though, with interoception and metacognition is the awareness of the individual of those feelings. Can I mention a name of a speaker that I saw at the conference? Sure. Amy Kushner. We met Amy. Amy. Oh, Amy. She was energetic, knowledgeable, passionate. And one of the things that Amy said, because she talked about some really significant strategies for students with ADHD, her presentation was phenomenal. But one of the things that she said was awareness, as I just talked about, interoception, awareness of your body feeling, metacognition, awareness of your brain feeling, which is a weird way to say that, but that's how I'm going to put it. Awareness breeds action. Awareness leads to action. Now, why is this important and why did that trigger me when Amy said that? Because our A in impact is all about action. And too often in education, oh, I'm going to say something a little controversial maybe. Go ahead okay. and say it. So too often in education, we are far too stagnant and we do not take action quickly enough. We go can ahead. I, yes, can yes, I, yes, Can, please, I, can I just use a different word sure. about that? We are not proactive. We are reactive. Ah, and in being reactive, many times our reaction is not action even. It's an, it's an emotion or, or words. And we need education right now to move at the speed of light. We know so much more about how the brain and the body interprets and inputs information and learning. And we do not do enough in our schools to enhance what's already out there, what we already know, which is going to lead to high levels of achievement and learning and motivation for our students. And impact, our framework impact, I think is what leads to that action and the moving forward and the proactiveness. So, Donna Lee, we skipped a letter. I know, I know, but, you know, the the connection was there for me. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. It is perfect. But I think it's a really perfect time to go back to that. I think just the words spelled wrong. So, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) So, interoception and metacognition lead to action. Action, you must have perseverance to maintain grit and motivation and drive. And those things will help you reach goals. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the perseverance and what the barrier to students persevering and this is becoming clearer as we're talking here together. So I think this audio is much more beneficial to you and I than it is for anybody listening right now. (laughs) And that's perfect because what they're going to gain, 
what you're going to gain from just listening to us process is that aha moment of, I could do it this way instead of that way. So one of the qualities, the symptoms, the characteristics, I don't know what positive or negative edge word you want to use, but one of the traits of students with ADHD is impulsivity. And we treat impulsivity as a bad thing. But what I'd like for us to do in schools through impact is embrace impulsivity and help students regulate their impulsivity. We don't want to squelch impulsivity because when we when we take that away totally, then we lack action altogether. So what we want to do as an educator and a facilitator and a therapist is use a student's impulsivity to their advantage and leverage it. And what I mean by that is whatever actions they are bringing forward with their impulsivity, celebrate what that action represented and then teach the kiddo how to use that in a positive way. For example, I had a kiddo this year in a third grade classroom And he stood a lot. Um, He kind of bounced a lot as he was learning. Um, He would need some frequent breaks. And I noticed that anytime he got excited about one of our math lessons, he would shout out. Very impulsive. But it was an amazing response. But maybe behaviorally and culturally for classroom behavior wasn't what teachers were comfortable with. So what we would do with this student is every time he wanted to call out, he was allowed to crumple a paper and basketball it into the trash can. And then when he did that, I could still see his excitement, but then it wasn't verbal and vocal. And then I could call him out and then he could respond. And it really helped him self-regulate his impulsivity. It was just a strategy we used with him, but we used it to the advantage. And he actually ended up participating more and was able to focus more through this little strategy that we put in place for him. That makes me think about us and the use of fidgets in the classroom. We will put Velcro under the desk that somebody can, the kids can rub on, and we will give, well, they used to, but now we can't have spinny wheels and stuff like that. We have kids who bite to their fingernails and their cuticles to the, the bone, which creeps me out, but uh, I have one of those at home, by the way. So we have all of these things and all these fidget tools that have been deemed disruptive in the class. I commend you for creating that environment for that student that crumbling paper was enough to keep that impulse contained, get your attention without really disrupting the class because it was something that every kid in the class could do at some point in the day. But with him, it was a known trigger for you that he wanted your attention. And then he had a reason to throw paper into the trash can. And that was also that visual of now is the time. Get me now. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah, great connection to that. And it's it's interesting um, because I think one of the things that we as educators in Uh, general classrooms struggle with um, or get annoyed by or frustrated with or whatever you want to say is all of this impulsivity and, and 
it creating havoc for the learning of others. And what we do is we try to control it through whether it's our discipline policies or through punishment. Um, you know, that's that's our typical reaction as teachers. However, the best way to teach kids lifelong learning life skills is to help them self-regulate. I'm gonna give you another example. Uh, my son, he just finished eighth grade. He'll be starting ninth grade next year. He and a student in his class, they need some kind of fidget or something. Well, uh, him and another student in his class typically like to take the clicky pens when they have a pen and click, 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 click. Well, that drives other kids crazy. So, you know, we have to have some kind of restrictions and rules. You know, you can't be a free-for-all. That's not what I'm talking about here. What we have to do is we have to give those kids another option that's going to be just as fulfilling for them but is not going to disrupt the other students. And it's teaching all of the students to be aware of our differences and what each of us needs, help each other regulate in a positive way. But most importantly, we want to build the self-regulation and independence with the individual child. And that's a life skill that they're going to take forever and even into their workplace. I can see the crumbling the paper being a lifelong skill for that student that you were describing. So what are some of the other ideas that are coming to your mind? If you've got ideas that are coming to your mind, please email us. I am Sherry at Sherry.org.com. John Lee is John Lee at Minds on Math. John Lee is spelled J-O-N-I-L-Y. Her email address will be in the show notes. But I ask you to share some of the successes that you've had with helping kids self-regulate, the more we learn, the more we can share out to you later with new ideas along the way. Now, we need to really move on to the uh, C in our impact. And C stands for consistency. And I'm going to take this one because I had a fifth grade student who was really struggling with example is writing the letter A. He just could not do it. And I'd been working with him for three years and I was myself very frustrated. I couldn't get through to this kid. And here, as it turns out, he was being asked to do handwriting uh, remediation uh, stuff with his uh, special ed teacher as well. And she was giving him a textbook, a writing textbook that had the A written differently than I was teaching it. So although I was making headway with his understanding, he was getting confused on the other four days of the cycle that in his, we were doing a five-day cycle um, at that school, not a six-day. And mom finally hands me his reading book or writing book, and I went, now I understand why we haven't gotten anywhere. And it made me think, and it made me realize that Consistency in letter appearance is crucial for some of these kids, maybe not all. And then I talk to a lot of people that are special ed teachers, reading specialists, and they like to use the dyslexia font. The dyslexia font is absolutely fabulous for reading. It has that weighted on the section on the bottom. It's great. It is not a font that you copy from. I recommend that you convert your font to something 
more like what they are going to be writing cor- correctly um, so that it doesn't have that heavy bottom in it, that they can actually see the way they're supposed to be looking. So if you want some fonts that are available out on the market and you're using the Microsoft system, you want to look for Century Gothic. If you're using the Google system, you want to use Poppins or Quicksand. But here is the big deal. There is a font that you can download for free, and it will work on either of those systems. It's called Lexend, L-E-X-E-N-D. Lexend is the most like we write it. It even has the capital I having a crossbar at the top and the bottom. So... As I talk about consistency, I talk about fonts. Then we get to transcendence. And John Lee and I have been having a lot of discussions about what transcendence means. I would say that you, John Lee, were the person that came up with the T. And so I'm going to let you start talking a little bit about what your vision for transcendence is. Absolutely. And this is going to change and morph as we go because that's the exact definition of transcendence for me. Transcendence to me is the path not yet created. I can see the destination in the future of what my vision is for specifically math classrooms, but education and schools in general. But the path is not carved out yet. And that can be a, a scary feeling. And it can, it's definitely something that schools and school districts um, do not use as a motivator to move forward. I think it's very scary for the education world. But I think the only way to get to the destination that we are envisioning for our kids with these great positive student academic and emotional outcomes is to start carving our own paths based on good, solid research that has been around and research on cognitive science that Sherry and I have been continuing to firm up in our strategies that we're teaching teachers and therapists. But to me, transcendence is about taking that risk to carve the path that has not yet been created to get to a destination that we all know we want, but have not arrived at yet. So when I looked up transcendence, I guess I did a Google search. And I found that there are four stages of transcendence. And it really brought me back to what are we doing in the environment Because occupational therapists think about the six types of environment, and I probably won't remember them all here, but we have physical, we have virtual, we have mental, we have, um, there's what, three more, but I told you I wasn't going to remember them. But there are different kinds of environments that we are around. And what is that thing in the environment that's creating a trauma. The first stage in transcendence is facing a trauma, but it is the getting over that trauma that is going to change the child's life. So when I think about writing, writing is such a trauma for anybody with dysgraphia. 
how are we going to switch that trauma off to be able to access learning? And that is where I've been focusing a lot on my research, hence the name of this podcast, Hacking Dysgraphia No Pencil Required. That no pencil isn't the change of the physical act of writing. It is how are we changing that mental capacity that we can access the writing, that we don't have that, I don't know what to write. (laughs) I've been there, done that. I have actually been sitting here today looking at a blank screen for a few minutes before I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing today. But that is where transcendence is coming from, is facing the trauma, learning how to adapt, and going through the rest of the impact to come out the other end with a positive life experience. So let's go back through. We have interoception. How can we transcend that? Metacognition, how do we transcend that? Perseverance, how do we transcend that? Action and consistency, how do we transcend those? And yes, I left a moment of silence there for an intention. Think about that. That's your metacognition coming out. Think about what we've said today. What is it about what you can do in your classroom or the clinic, or you as a parent, what can you do to help impact your students effectively? Well, this has been Sherry Dodderer from The Writing Glitch, Hacking Dysgraphia, No Pencil Required. We offer this episode on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. However, we have a special edition coming up starting on August 1st. I am going to be releasing an episode every Monday through Friday. Listen for John Lee and I talk about some things out of Math Disconnected coming up. But in addition to just John Lee and I talking, you're going to hear other experts talking about what you can do to help with anxiety, frustration, emotional regulation, sensory processing, helping with kids overcoming writing challenges and math challenges and reading challenges. It's going to be an amazing adventure. And in addition to the podcast, there is a companion course. If you join between today when this releases and the end of July, the 20, the 31st, you will get a $50 discount. If you wait till we open on August 1st, you will receive the discounted price of $97. If you wait and you happen to hear this episode after August 31st, 2023, the price for that companion course is $197. But guess what? We have over $1,000 that we have put together inside that summit just for you. So for the price of at most $197, you get $1,000 worth of value. So, John Lee, I'm going to ask you to tell them a little bit about the Purple X mini course. Absolutely. We started this podcast today on um, reflecting on our time in Texas, which is action. Uh, had an amazing conference, met some amazing people, shared our message of impact, 
And just to give you one more specific strategy on what we use and what's going to be included in this companion course as well is being able to remove, just like Sherry said, writing without a pencil, being able to remove the notation, the words, the questions, the prompting with mathematics, and allowing students access to mathematics through what we call uh, quick dot images. The purple X is a quick dot image. So what it does is it increases student number sense, improves their math fact fluency, and helps them understand algebraic reasoning that leads to high school math through just studying dots. The purple X is an example of a quick dot because the dots are purple and it makes an image of an X, but there's lots of dots in it. And through this one task, we can teach dozens of standards from preschool through high school with the same exact task. I talked about this previously in the episode. So the purple X is not only a task that you can do one and done, it's a task that you can do every single school year, every grade level throughout a district. You can also do this task multiple times within one year, within one grade level, and attach it to many of your standards or targets that you have to teach mathematically. It also opens the doors to bringing in therapy aspects to helping students who have academic struggles, not just with mathematics. We have designed a Purple X mini course that we did live that you can now get recorded with all of the resources. And I believe, Sherry, that's included in the uh, package as well. Is this correct? Give us the details on that. Yes, that is included. The Purple X mini course is included. The price of that mini course is $297. And we are including that as one of the parts of this uh, companion course. So my, that's just a deep discount just for that. (laughs) Yes. And we're also including some handouts that go along with that. So as I was looking at the Purple X, I realized, oh, there are some things that we could do to make it a little bit easier and more accessible for some students. And we could utilize this in other subject matter. So we have designed also the Purple X Reimagined, and we are gifting that to you as well as the, the companion course or the mini course to go in the companion course. Yeah, there's too many courses going on in my brain. And so that is one of the uh, giveaways that we're including in that, which is normally a $27 uh, purchase. We're also including the handstand flip. So if you have heard of the handstand flip, kudos to you for listening to the podcast. If you haven't, the handstand flip is exactly what it sounds like. It's taking the handstand and flipping it upside down, but the purpose of the handstand flip is to promote core control, bodily extension, so that kids can engage in learning. So the reason for it is not just to stand looking like you're standing on on a hand, like a handstand, but the purpose is to prepare kids to access their learning. And just to extend on the handstand flip as a general classroom teacher, a, a math teacher in the general classroom tier one, the way that I use the handstand flip is when I know my kids are starting to disengage or some of them are disengaging, we will do that. It creates the movement. It creates a re-trigger of the brain to engage in focus again. Takes less than 30 seconds. It's a very quick, easy to implement, 
highly effective movement that I can do with my entire class of 28 kids. When they sit down, everyone has a re-trigger of focus. And it was exactly what they needed for a perfect brain break to re-engage in learning. Now, some of the other things that are in the companion course you will find in the show notes. So I don't want to belabor this any longer. Look for a different style of episode coming up in the month of August. We will regroup and regain this format again in September for the second and fourth Tuesdays, but uh, for the month of August. And my birthday present to you and the anniversary of the podcast. Welcome to the Emotional Kids Summit starting in just a few days. For now, remember you were put here for such a time as this. This has been Sherry Dutter from The Writing Glitch. Great to have you here with me today. Enjoy the rest of yours.